This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers, a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parent's Guide to Co-Parenting, speaker, and mother of three. Welcome to Season 3 of Mainspring Family Wellness Podcast. We are so excited that we are on our Season 3, and we have a really amazing guest here today, uh, Asante Cleveland, former NFL player and mindset coach for young athletes. Thank you for being here, Asante. Hi, Asante. Hi, <laughs> Jenna and Kristen. Thank you guys so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you. Um, we've had some conversations already about uh, raising kids mm-hmm. as athletes, but I think your story is such a such an amazing story. And so I was hoping you could just start us off by sharing with us your journey yeah, in sports. Of uh, so originally I'm from Sacramento, California. Um, my parents were divorced growing up, so I would be with my dad every other weekend and he was a very, uh, pivotal part of my sports development. Uh, when I was five, I started playing soccer and that was my first love. I was just kind of naturally better at it than most kids because I was taller than kids. Uh, I had a really strong leg, uh, and I didn't really take much work. I was just pretty good at it. And uh, I learned, <laughs> I learned that you have to put in more work, and uh, that happened when I played basketball. Uh, so I, I, fifth grade, I just kind of thought that I'm already good at soccer. I'm probably good at everything else. And I played basketball against this kid, and he kicked my butt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I almost could not believe how much better at that he was than I was. And so driving me home, like I'm in the car pouting, crying, and my dad, uh, there's a high school with outdoor basketball court by our house, and my dad pulls over and he stops. And he says, I'm going to walk to the far baseline, and when I turn around, if you're not standing at the free throw line, I'm going to walk back to the car, get in, and we'll never talk about it again. But if you want to be great, you will meet me at that free throw line. And he got out, walked away, and I'm kind of still in my feelings a little bit. But then I ultimately I get out, go follow him. When I get to the free throw line, he just stops and tells me, he's like, hey, that that kid wasn't better than you. He's just put in more work than you have. Mm. So from there, I he really instilled the value of uh, working in the dark. This is what he called it, um, putting in the time when others aren't, uh, you're still focusing on your craft because what I realized was in that moment, I I made the decision that I want to be great. And so to be great, you have to form great habits. I took that with me through like playing basketball. I would go to like workouts on Sundays and all that. But uh, my goal for basketball, I loved basketball. It was to be six foot 10 and play in the NBA. <laughs> and that's an unrealistic goal because there's a big part of that that I don't have control over. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the one about being six foot ten? Yeah. 
<laughs> so um, when I got to high school, that's when I first started playing football. So freshman year, one of the coaches uh, at orientation invited me to come out to football camp. And at that time, I had asked my dad if I could play football before uh, growing up, and he always said no, even though my dad played in the NFL. My dad really? played for the Cowboys uh, hmm. back in the 70s. Why did he not want you to play football? I think one of the reasons was uh, one of his best friends uh, was he got injured and became a quadriplegic playing oh, football. Wow. So I think wow. that that was uh, probably a lot of his hesitance. So growing up, I didn't really watch football. We didn't really talk about football until freshman year. I decided to go out, and he let me. And it was – I didn't like it at first. Hmm. Uh, I didn't really like the part of getting hit. That wasn't all that fun for me. Uh, but it was easy for me. It, I didn't really have to – I was just bigger than everybody, and then uh, it made it easy to be good. I was convinced I was going to be a basketball player up until my junior year when I hadn't hit quite hit my 6'10 mark. I had stopped <laughs> short about 6'5 and didn't look like I was growing too much more. But I had gotten my first football offer, and I had nothing, no looks in basketball. So then I decided, like, all right, football is going to be my sport, and I'm going to do whatever I can to be the best I could be at this. And... I fortunately took me to University of Miami, and then from there I went undrafted to the 49ers, and I played with the Patriots and the Chargers. Wow. wow. What, what did your dad think about that when you decided to make football a career? Uh, he was extremely supportive, but it, it really happened when uh, that summer of my junior year, once I got the offer, now I'm looking at like, okay, let me see where I'm ranked. And then I saw that I was ranked like 63 in the country. And then I saw this kid at 37 that I had gone to a football camp with. And I wasn't all that confident in my football abilities, but there's one thing I knew. I was better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and so from there, I started like studying like who were the top players in the country? What are they doing to be successful? And then how can I implement that into what I do? Uh, we would... Go. He would take me to like workouts, and so he was really supportive in like the development and all the time that was needed to be great. I'm curious, uh, you know, at that time, what players um, or coaches and um, the NFL inspired you? My favorite player in the NFL was Antonio Gates mm -hmm. uh, because he was someone who didn't play college football. He was a basketball player at Kent State. And then he went undrafted to the Chargers, and he was just – he became one of the kind of the greatest tight end of all time. He has the most touchdowns in NFL history hmm. as a tight end. Wow. Uh, but I just really identified with him because I felt I was a basketball player playing football, and he was. And so, uh, so he was someone I looked to from the NFL standpoint. But then in high school, I was really blessed to have coaches that – saw my talent, my potential, and really supported me from the coach who first invited me out to play football. Uh, he ended up being uh, my sophomore year coach, Coach Leahy. And that was actually the year where I almost quit football hmm. because it wasn't, it wasn't fun. Uh, working out in the summer with all these pads on getting hit, like it kind of takes a toll on you. And I decided not to quit. And that year, a lot of kids ended up quitting 
and our team went down from like 60 players freshman year to like maybe 25 or 30 our sophomore year but the guys that stayed were extremely committed and dedicated and we went nine and one and so football became more fun and then another coach who really helped me out when going into my senior year when I had made the decision that like I'm, I'm gonna play college football uh, was my coach John Wiley who he, he played at University of Auburn or Auburn University and then he also played in the NFL so what he would do was for all the guys that had aspirations to play at the next level in the early mornings he would be at the school uh, and put us through workouts so we would go through maybe an hour and a half two hours of workouts with him and then come back later in the day and do our actual team workouts so uh, we we put in a lot of work but I was just grateful that I had people that were able to facilitate my growth like that yeah I'm curious did, did any of those coaches ever pull you aside and say I, I think you are going to go far. I think you can play for the NFL. Or was it more your dad? Or was it something that you just felt like that was your destiny? It was the NFL was never really in my mindset in, in high school. It was like everyone's goal is like, I want to go D1. Mm -hmm. I want to go to a D1 school, play on ESPN, be on TV, all that stuff. So that was the the limit of my aspirations at that time and uh, I did have coaches who I mean and, and it's kind of easy to to help facilitate that after I already have offers from D1 schools right but then uh, I had coaches who were like telling me that like you you can not only play at a um, at that time I was committed to Washington State they mm -hmm. were in the Pac-10 at the time and that was like a big deal like okay I'm yeah. about to play in the Pac-10 and I saw like coaches saying like man you could play in the SEC the ACC which are like the elite powerhouse uh conferences in the NCAA and um I believed them and that senior my senior year I went from being 63 in the country and after I spent the time studying what these other top tight ends were doing, um, at the end of the year, I put out a highlight tape. And lo and behold, I jumped up to number 14 in the country. Wow. And then from there, I, um, I got the attention of University of Miami. So driving home from school one day, out of nowhere, my dad says, hey, uh, the University of Miami is interested in you. And it was just such a shock. Uh, but it was something that, like, I, I put the work in to attract that attention. And um, when I decided to go to University of Miami over Washington State, so I ended up decommitting, uh, that was when I decided that I'm not just going to get to college, just want to play college. Like, I think I can go to the pros. Because mm -hmm. if I can get to Miami, then I should be able to make it to the pros also. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it sounds like part of your journey was, I mean, this – physical work ethic, right? Really putting in the time to discipline your body, you know, really honing in on the skills necessary to play football and play football well. Yeah. But then also this mental toughness. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you, how much do you think is n mental toughness versus being out there in the field, like early in the morning, getting those extra workouts in? What would you say? I think it's, I think it's predominantly mental toughness. Like the physical part is nice, but it takes that mental drive to get you up in the morning to go to an early morning workout and actually give it your full effort. 
uh, one of the things that I, my dad did early on uh, is he made me start memorizing poems. Mm. And in fourth grade, so when I would go over, over to his house for the weekends, like I had all my video games over there. So it's kind of a vacation when I got to get to my dad's house. <laughs> but <laughs> one weekend we were stopping off at the grocery store and he said, hey, it's going to be a little different this weekend. Um, before you can play video games, you have to memorize this poem called Invictus. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm playing video games this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, all right, well, it's going to be a quiet weekend. And so he got out of the car, and I followed him into the grocery store. And by the time we left the grocery store, I had memorized that poem. Wow. And most famous part of that poem is, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And learning, having words like that on call in your memory um, are so valuable for like resilience, especially when times get tough, being able to remind yourself like, hey, I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. I'm in control of whatever situation. Um, I alone have the ability to change my situation as long as I'm focused enough to figure out another way, be adaptable, uh, I can still succeed. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really took along with me. But I believe that poems like Invictus and then If was another one he made me memorize. I actually had to recite that to <laughs> the guy who was working at Fry's in order for my dad to buy me a new PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. He really knew how to set the goals. He definitely mm -hmm. did. When do you think you you took it upon yourself to really remember that quote from Invictus at a crucial time in, in your sports career? Um, it, it more so my sophomore year in college. Um, I had a really, really good freshman year. Um, I was starting some games as a freshman in college. Uh, I made the like rivals ACC freshman tight end and then the coaching staff that brought me in got fired. Oh, wow. And going into that off season, uh, that spring, I also had to have sh shoulder surgery. Mm -hmm. um, and so as this new regime is coming in, I'm kind of on the shelf in that I'm recovering from an injury. I don't really have the opportunity to show them what I could do, what I did the year before. And so by the time I was finally healthy enough to get back out there for summer workouts, uh, I physically, I was ready to be back out there, but mentally I was a little shot and it took a lot to like build up that confidence. And I went from playing a lot my freshman year to not playing at all my sophomore year, really. And then being on like the scout team, which is, which means like, I'm not even traveling to games. Um, and then going into that, when I went back home for winter break, just reminding myself like, Hey, I can... I alone can change the situation. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. Um, and I just worked my butt off for the whole month I was back home. Um, and so when I came back, they saw that I was a different player. Hmm. So you're, you were kind of hungry to play. Yeah. And that to, like, stay resilient. And another one of the, my favorite quotes is uh, if you can meet with both triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same so not getting too high when everything's great and not getting too low when things are bad and understanding that you just kind of have to ride the wave 
That is such a good quote right there. Yeah. So true. Learning how to like um, play the middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's tough, but if you can, if you can not get too down on yourself when things look bad, because if you, if you're too down, you don't see the opportunities. Right. One of the things that my dad helped me see was when I was when I got put onto the scout team, uh, my sophomore year. I was no longer practicing with the first-team offense. I was now just practicing with the first-team defense. And what he made me realize with is you're playing against your team's best defense every day in practice. So this is the perfect opportunity for you to get better. And if you start showing out and making plays against them, then they'll see that you're ready to keep playing. Wow. Dad was a, was a wise man. <laughs> Dad's a very wise man. <laughs> so, I mean, I think this is so clear then how your development really developed your own pro mindset, mm-hmm. right? And what you want to impart to kids as yeah. a as a mindset coach for young athletes. So share with us a little more about what does that look like? What do you think athletes are needing nowadays? Right now, I think they need focus and consistency because it's easy to show up and have a good game, um, but it's another thing to make that your standard and to make that something that you consistently do every time you step out there. Because the most successful people that I've been around are hyper-focused and they always do their best, regardless of the situation, regardless of how they're feeling, no matter if we're down by 15 points. Like Tom Brady on a game-winning drive, he is focused on doing his absolute best. And so I feel that building up the, the focus, the consistency, the resilience, learning how to be more adaptable to situations because things aren't going to play out exactly how you want them to. And you can't shut down because your situation isn't favorable anymore. You have to find another way through. Uh, like I went from my freshman year, I was playing, I was a pass catching tight end. And then I realized if I'm going to get on the field, I need to learn how to block. So I became a blocker. And me being able to pivot and adapt uh, is what gave me success. So I, I think that that's a big uh, thing that kids can improve upon is learning how to adapt and overcome. Yeah, I think a lot of kids, because life ends up being kind of easier, more mm-hmm. privileged, right? Yeah. So um, if you're not winning then it's just so easy to just give up and go, well, I'm not good at this anymore. Or the other way, like, I'm the best at this. I'm so great. And so then when they have a little bit of, like, say, like a a sprained ankle or maybe a broken bone Mm -hmm. or maybe they were just resting on talent alone and not putting in the hard work, then it also can be very self-defeating for them, too, that, like, now they're just the worst at this or or they're going to stop and not play. Yeah. So that's kind of those those points for children where they have to have that kind of encouragement on what is the growth opportunity here, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? And failure is the opportunity to move forward or to discipline further um, and not ride the highs or the real low lows like you you were saying. What, what yeah. did you want to say, Chris? Yeah, and I just – I think building resiliency too. I think that's something that um, this generation of kids is – it's been a struggle to, to make sure that um, – they can be resilient. It'll help them be more successful in life in general. So it sounds like your program could be for any sport, any yeah. athlete, but also applies to 
life in general. Yeah, these are it's it's focused in sports, but sports is like the biggest microcosm of life. Like you learn so many life lessons through sports and uh, like building up resilience is so crucial in overall success and being able to uh, just find a way. Uh, my favorite, our coaches always say, just find a way to find a way. If it's not working out how you think it's supposed to, find a way to make it work out. Mm -hmm. Just always look for another angle and stay focused because what I noticed a lot uh, in college was that the guys that weren't successful were the ones that could not ignore the distractions. Um, mm. We have an extremely intense day. We're waking up at like 5.30. We got meetings, practice. Then you got to go to class. You got workouts. Then you got more meetings. And then you're done at like 6 o'clock. The guys that could stay focused from 6 to 10 were the ones that were successful. And the guys, there were a lot of guys who ended up letting the distractions get a lot bigger than the main goal. Mm -hmm. And my freshman year, we had 25 guys in our recruiting class. And by the end of freshman year, we were down to 14 because wow. guys got kicked out for doing this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. And it's just staying focused is how you're going to be successful as well. Mm -hmm. So then you're able to provide um, coaching and probably even exercises to help kids learn how to do this better. Yeah. How to identify what some natural distractions are going to be and knowing how much time should you give to playing video games. Like, like we all we all love video games. But how much time we should do? you really do? All of us? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> actually, I just played with my kids and it was it was actually really fun. It was. It okay. was. It's you know, fun. we all did it together and you know, it's, yeah. It kids neat. kids do love video games. Yeah. So that is true. Yes. But yeah, but knowing but identifying the distractions and knowing how to ignore them, how to uh, budget your time and give more attention to the things that are more important to you long term, not necessarily the sh short term instant gratification, which is so prevalent nowadays. Uh, it's more focused on what's the what's the big goal? What do you really want? Which kids would be a good fit for this program? I mean, does it is it for everybody? Is it a certain age that you would uh, like to work with? My ideal age group would be high school to college. At that point, you're more focused on you know where you want to go, maybe have already identified like a specialty sport, and then now we're just honing in on how we can get you to that next level. What do we have to do? What are the actionable steps that we're going to take to get you to whatever goals that you have set? Okay. Yeah, I think the research shows that's kind of considered the intermediate level then mm -hmm. of, of sports. So once you reach that high school stage for kids, a lot of them are considering like, am, am, is my next goal to play in college? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, what goals are reasonable and doable for me? How do I take it to the next level? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a breaking point in some ways, or it's a breakthrough point. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do it right, it's, it's definitely going to be a breakthrough, but you have to be focused and make that decision that this is what you want. So I'm going to do all the things that it takes to be great, to achieve this goal. Asante, what about when students have coaches that either really don't understand the the athlete or mm. maybe they've kind of broken them down mm. in their, their own esteem? What do you think about that? That's when you really have to have developed a strong mindset because... Because um, it's common, right? Yeah, this it, happens. it's so common. It, 
I mean, it, it happened to me. I was I was feeling really low, uh, sophomore junior year. Um, but you have to be the one to to stay positive because no one talks to you more than yourself. So regardless of what this coach said to you, how they made you feel, you have to be the one to be able to pick yourself up and know that I am great. I can do this goal. I and I will. And having those having that just playing on a loop in your head, knowing that self-belief that I can do this. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what this person says. It does It does not matter what they think. I can do this. Mm-hmm. So that's probably where you come in then to help kids if they feel like they've kind of broken down in that area that you can help to buffer them up and refocus. Yeah. And not just listen to that one voice where they just felt like, so broken down by maybe what you know what a coach has said or maybe even a parent. I was going to say a parent. Or, yeah. yeah, often parents are the ones that can kind of crush their spirit. Yeah, and that's unfortunately. Asante, can you go into more detail about like what are the character traits of a pro mindset athlete? Like what are we trying some to really examples? De- yeah, mm-hmm. and what are we really trying to develop in yep. in uh, young athletes? I think that's good. Well, I was I was fortunate to be around some incredible players, Hall of Fame coaches, Hall of Fame players, and what I noticed like about Tom Brady, what I noticed the most about him is he is always focused. He is he is locked in all the time. He has a specific set of rules that he does not waver. Um, he will. <laughs> He will yell at you in a heartbeat over the most minute detail, but it's that important to him. And so, uh, so with him, extremely focused. Um, and then I played with Joe Staley, who's a Hall of Fame tackle. And what I noticed about him is he's incredibly disciplined in everything he does. Uh, we have like walkthrough practices where we're kind of just going half speed. Everyone else is going half speed, but Joe is taking full speed kick slides and that's just once again goes back to the standard he set for himself and um, they the greats always do their best and they are unshakable in their mindset like they don't let adversity just rock them they are able to stay calm even when things don't look great they're still able to stay focused and do what they have to do and at the end of the day if they win it's because they did everything they could do, and they can feel good about that. And if they lose, they did everything they could do, and they can still feel good about that. So that's what I noticed from a lot of these guys. And that kind of, I mean, those kind of traits are along any kind of sport, mm-hmm. yeah. really. If you can if you can leave it at where it's on the tennis court or on a football field or on a baseball field, and you know that you did your best mm-hmm. regardless, right, um, then you can walk away feeling good good about the day yeah and then knowing that even if it didn't work out this time your best will get better that's what just naturally happens i forgot that you said that when in our parenting class and i loved that statement your best can get better yeah Mm -hmm. is this your best because your best can get better exactly and you only get better when you're actually doing your best and you have to be accountable with yourself to really look and say did i do everything i could do did i did i cut corners there did i kind of slow up and if you did then you have to reconcile with yourself that like i'm always going to give my best effort but when you consistently do everything you can you just get a little bit stronger you get a little bit faster you get a little bit wiser even if you make a mistake you gain some experience that you can learn and move on from 
And then the goal is to get 1% better every day. Yeah, and it seems like your program would be beneficial to any kid, even if they weren't going to play in college or they weren't going to be a professional athlete. These are really valuable lessons that you can take to anywhere in yeah. the future. So, um, yeah, you're honing in on skills and, yeah. and developing those life skills. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. even if it's not playing sports, if you want to be a fashion designer, if you want to be a real estate agent, you are going to have to learn how to deal with adversity. You're mm -hmm. going to go through a whole bunch of other sets of trials and tribulations that you're going to have to be able to navigate. And you're going to have to maintain a positive attitude and be able to adapt and overcome to your situation. So it's not just for sports. This is life skills in general. Yeah. 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 I love that growth mindset. It, you know, maybe you don't have it yet, but you will get there. Yeah. So. Well, I think this is a great program that Mainspring is going to be offering in partnership with you, Asante. Yeah. And I'm really optimistic that there's so many athletes in the Orange County area that could benefit from having some one-on-one -on -one time with yourself and maybe just go into a little more detail about what that kind of time would look like. Yeah, so I'm going to be offering one-on-one offering -on -one courses. Um, so we will help establish realistic goals. Uh, we'll set actionable steps on how we can get there. And honestly, just like my dad did for me, I'm going to make you memorize some poems. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if I can do it in fourth grade, then I promise you can do it too. Uh, but these, I, I believe that I was successful because I did have things to rely upon, uh, even when things didn't look great. Uh, another part of if is if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you and make allowance for their doubting too um, these <laughs> these situations come up so often in life and if you can recognize it and then attach it to something and understand like okay I'm gonna, I'll be fine I'll this is just another bump in the road that I'll, I'll get by that's great. Yeah. Very inspirational. Yeah. yeah. So you will have something that you will take away from the rest of your life. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for being here today, Asante. Thank, Thank you, you Asante. And for more information about Asante's pro mindset coaching with young athletes, go to www.mainspringfamilywellness.com. Mm -hmm.